When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of Talking Real Money Quick, the short version. The one that we do every week to complement the longer podcasts that we take from our Saturday show. But during football season, this podcast will have to suffice because we were preempted again for Washington Husky football, and we will be preempted again on the 27th. We will have a podcast, though, after the weekend of November 3rd and November 10th. So we'll have a couple of longer ones in the next few weeks. But this will have to do it for this week. This is the show where I try to get your questions answered on money issues of any kind, particularly investing. And the best way to share those with us is by calling 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Or you can go to TalkingRealMoney.com and send those in through the Contact Us link. I think it's a Contact Us link. Let me look. Yeah, it actually says Contact. You can also get the podcast sent to you every week if you subscribe there or whenever a new one comes up. This week, well, this week and last week, the stock market behaved very badly. Not just here, but overseas, particularly overseas. Chinese markets have been terrible for the for the year. Shanghai is in a full fledged, absolute, no doubt about it, bear market. They're they're down. Last I looked, twenty two, twenty three percent over a single year. So that is technically a bear market here. Not we've had some big declines, but remember when you hear that two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred point decline business for the Dow. That thing's on a 25,000-point scale, so 500 points meant a lot back in the 80s, but it doesn't mean as much today. You really need to calculate what the percentage loss was, and the percentages have actually been relatively small. They haven't even amounted to a full-blown correction yet, which is a 10% loss, according to the experts, in air quotes. So we haven't reached that. And what should you do? Well, this question comes up all the time. What you should do if your portfolio is built properly is absolutely nothing because if you're a real investor and you follow the tenets that we espouse, your portfolio should be properly allocated for situations exactly like this. Your portfolio should be built for bear markets, even full-fledged bear markets. You should not own a portfolio that is too scary for you. If you can't stand the thought of a 50% decline potentially in stocks, then you should never be 100% in equities, even if it's globally diversified equities, which, of course, is what we believe you should have. Now, a lot of people want to argue about this whole concept of globally diversified portfolios. They think, well, why, why am I not just all in the U.S. since over the past 10 years? The U.S. has been great and those foreign stocks have been terrible. Oh, folks, here's the reason. You don't know 
what will happen tomorrow. All you know is what has happened. And yes, if you knew what you know now, 10 years ago, which you didn't know, and you couldn't have known, and no matter what these liars say, they didn't know, you wouldn't have been able to do anything with that knowledge because you didn't have it. You couldn't have had it. You only have it in hindsight. You're looking in the rearview mirror. Stop it. And here's the question I want to ask you. Remember the 90s. I'm sure all of you do. U.S. equity prices soared during the 90s. Absolutely soared. International markets did not do anywhere near as well. They only did a tiny fraction of what the U.S. markets did. So money poured into the U.S. markets because they were doing well. Well, in 2000, they stopped doing well. And from 2000 until 2010, those U.S. equity stocks were terrible, particularly the ones that everybody tends to follow, which are the big blue chip stocks. Had you invested in the S&P 500 from 2000 to 2010, your return for those 10 years after dividends would have been negative almost 10%. Did you know? To be an international from 2000 to 2010? You did not. Did you know that February, March of 2009 was the perfect time to get into U.S. equities and only U.S. equities? If you say you did, you are such a liar. Go ahead and lie to yourself all you want. I'm not paying any attention. You didn't know. You won't know. You can't know. You need to be globally diversified. You need to have the right amount of bonds for your risk tolerance and risk need. Don't take more risk than you need. Build it right. Get it right. And stop thinking you can predict the future. The minute you stop doing that, that's the point in your life when you finally can start relaxing about what your investments do. Because then you know that based on decades and decades of history, you're doing the best you can. And you're still likely to take advantage should take advantage of the wealth that stocks inevitably bring. Remember, it's not a zero-sum game. They inevitably bring some form of wealth. Oh, and while we're on that really quickly, I just want to touch on this one more time. You don't want to get into all these eclectic things. These people are doing these things to help make them money, not you. And I'm talking about cryptocurrencies. I'm talking about timing strategies. And actually, I'm going to talk a little bit more about those kinds of products when we answer our when when we I answer a question that came in via talking real money. So we might as well get that out of the way right now. Let me go grab the question. It's right here. James sent this in and James asks, could you please discuss saving for college with a kiss trust versus a 529? Currently, we have a Utah 529 set up for my two-month son. Thanks. I love the podcast. Well, James, you're doing it right right now. You must have heard some sort of an ad or promotional push for these silly <sighs> kiss trusts. It's another one of these proprietary names. It's a gimmick. It's a trade name for a simplified trust agreement 
that you create with a particular company who I'm not going to mention, do not do this thing. They make it appear like it's a really great deal. But bear in mind, this is not a really highly specialized, specified trust. It's a boilerplate trust. And they they claim their basic trust is free. Free. They're such liars. I mean, they're truly, they're bald-faced liars. Basic plan, I'm looking right at it from the KISS Trust. Pricing, annual trustee fee, none. Custom portfolios, no. Minimum initial funding, $1,000, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None, it says right there. But it says model portfolio. 7C share-based models. Oh, that's the gimmick. You see, they know that most of the folks who are going to be pitched this product do not have a clue what a C-share is. Well, I'm going to tell you what a C-share is. Their seven-fund portfolio that they give you in their free tier has funds like PIMCO Fundamental, and it's not actually called this anymore. It's called PIMCO RAE Plus Fund Class C. Its symbol is P-I-X-C-X. You want to know how they get paid? I'm going to tell you right now. This PIMCO fund has annual fees and expenses of, are you ready for this? 2% per year. Now, this used to be called the Fundamental Index Plus Fund, implying that it's somehow trying to beat indexes. And in fact, that's what they claim they're doing for their 2% per year. Folks, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Let me just tell you, put it in perspective. Let's say you were a client of our firm. I'm just going to use our firm, Vestry, as an example. And you had less than a million dollars invested with us. So you get our highest fee all in. All in with the fee for the advisor. This is for all the personal attention, not just building a portfolio and leaving you the heck alone. And the mutual funds in the portfolio, your annual fee would be less than 1.3% per year. This one PIMCO fund is 2% per year. Of that, about half gets kicked back to the KISS Trust people. Now, let me just read you a little bit of Morningstar's analysis of this fund and tell me if this sounds like the kind of fund you want to be in. The fund seeks to outperform the S&P. This is I'm quoting this. The fund seeks to outperform the S&P 500 with two sources of excess return. The first from get listen carefully. The first from the equity sleeves exposure to the value factor and the second from its actively managed bond sleeve. The equity sleeve uses total return swaps for exposure to the performance of a value tilted RAE fundamental U.S. large model portfolio, a systematic fundamentally weighted index developed by research associates. These derivatives require a small cash outlay, so assets are actively managed as a flexible bond strategy by PIMCO. This, and she puts this in quote, this equity fund, which holds primarily bonds and derivatives, has an unorthodox structure that does present additional risks. Unorthodox structure? This is a fund that claims to want to outperform the S&P 500. In their portfolio, they have five stocks. Not 500, no, five stocks. 
the rest of the portfolio is either bonds or derivatives. In other words, betting futures contracts that are betting on things. Dangerous? Yeah. Outperforming? No. Turnover? High. Internal fees? Ridiculous. External fees? Wow. 2%? Uh, in case you missed the underlying message, this KISS trust is a gimmick. It is a gimmick. It is a gadget. It is a, a far, far and away more expensive alternative for funding your kid's college education than a simple 529. And you're in the one we like. You're in the Utah. And we get nothing back from them. And we would never, ever, ever suggest you get into a KISS trust. Oh, my goodness. You could kiss your money goodbye. 855-935-TALK is the number. Not all of it. Just <laughs> it's not free. It's not free. And the risks, all actively managed. 855-935-TALK. Call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 855-935-8255. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And leave your questions. Free. I will tell you the truth as I believe it, and I believe it based on lots and lots of academic research. So uh, it's a nice way to get your questions answered and not get sold anything. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Well, not sold much of anything actively. If you want to work with us or get our stuff that we talk about, great, but you don't have to. Oh, I was going to mention the uh, great features coming up are part of a series I did a little while back on the 10 keys to real investing. So this week we'll have the first five keys and then next week we'll have the next five keys on this and the next edition of Talking Real Money Quick. Subscribe to free monthly email updates from the only magazine devoted to real investing, Real Investing Journal at realinvestingjournal.com. Ready to stop playing the market and become a real investor? Well, over the next 10 features, I'll share my 10 keys to real investing. Here's number one. You must accept the fact that the global securities markets are highly efficient. Every day, millions of buyers and sellers with access to almost the same information make judgments and arrive at reasonably accurate assessments of current prices. Some bets are wrong, some are right, but the wisdom of the crowd has been incredibly accurate in study after study. It's the basis for the efficient market hypothesis. In essence, the market's a lot like the old game of how many jelly beans are in a jar. Individual guesses can be all over the place, but over and over again, the aggregate of all the guesses is uncannily close to the actual number. Even critics of the efficient market theory don't think we can take advantage of short-term inefficiencies. One of the biggest detractors, Nobel laureate Robert Schiller, stated in an article, quote, it is unlikely that the average amateur investor can get rich quickly by trading in the markets based on publicly available information, unquote. The market may not be 100% correct, but its collective wisdom is greater than ours. Real investing key number two. Most investors are smart enough to know they can't beat the markets. When pitted against trading firms with powerful computers and hyper-fast communications, you can't possibly hope to out-trade them. When facing off against multi-billion dollar hedge funds, many of which trade on insider information, you're destined to lose. So instead of betting against the pros, why not hire them using actively managed funds? So many claim market-beating performance, right? At any given time, there are hundreds or even thousands of mutual funds that do beat their benchmarks. But 
do they exhibit real skill that warrants their high prices? In study after study, the answer has been no. One study of active fund managers between 1975 and 2006 from the Swiss Finance Institute and University of Maryland found that just six-tenths of a percent of active fund managers showed any potential skill after adjusting for luck. So when you take into account research that shows only a small fraction of the funds that do well one year end up being among the best five years later, and the odds of you successfully picking a winning active manager are near zero. If you're sick of your self-interested financial advisor and are looking for a 100% fiduciary low-fee investment advisor, call my firm Vestry at 800-386-3004 or visit us at vestry.com. The 10 Keys to Real Investing continues with number three. Every mutual fund prospectus and most investment advertising contains some version of this statement. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. There's a reason that it's so prevalent. First, it's absolutely true. Just because something has happened doesn't mean it will again. I mean, a few people do win big lottery prizes, but that doesn't mean you will. The disclaimer actually should read, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about how this investment will perform in the future. In fact, it's more likely that it's exactly the opposite. What's hot today will more likely cool tomorrow. So quit investing based on previous returns. Don't ever expect to read anything like this because it would kill sales of most hot investment products, but it's pretty accurate. Of the almost 2,600 U.S. stock funds that existed in 2000, just 20% outperformed their benchmarks between 2000 and 2010. Of those 541 winners, 63% failed to beat their benchmark over the next five years. That's just 200 of the 2,600 original funds. The 10 Keys to Successful Investing continues with key number four. In previous features, I've explained why you should accept the fact that the securities markets for our purposes are extremely efficient and there's little or no chance of you finding someone who can beat the returns of the market. For as far back as we have records, stock markets, not individual stocks, have rewarded long-term real investors with positive real returns. What kind of reward? Let's go back in time to 1926. We'll start with a single dollar and see what it would have done over the next 92 years through 2017. If the dollar grew at the rate of inflation, it would be worth about $14. Socked away in safe, liquid one-year treasuries, it would have grown to about $21. If you took more liquidity and volatility risk in long-term treasuries, that dollar became $143. But if it had spent the 92 years invested in large U.S. stocks, it would have grown to over $7,300. And had it been placed in scary small company stocks, it would have soared to almost $23,000. While individual stocks are scary, as a group given enough time they've built serious wealth subscribe to free monthly email updates from the only magazine devoted to real investing real investing journal at realinvestingjournal.com The 10 keys to successful investing continue with key number five. Real investing is and must be based on science. As with most scientific endeavors, in incredible amounts of tedious research is required. Most of what Wall Street sells is based on flimsy science at best. Research going back over 50 years has led to what some call the dimensions of return. So far after massive peer-reviewed research, financial scientists, many Nobel Prize winners have identified just four well-established dimensions of return in the stock market. One, there is a market premium. Because of their additional risk, stocks in aggregate have dramatically outperformed bonds. Two, the size premium. Again, this is risk-based. Small company stocks have outperformed large company stock by pretty wide margins. Undervalued 
value stocks known as value stocks have outperformed those with growing earnings 100% of the time over 20-year periods. And finally, profitability. Yes, it's true. Academics found that highly profitable companies outperform less profitable ones. So for those willing to add risk to their portfolios, overemphasizing these dimensions of return has proven successful. Hi again, I'm Don McDonald. Next week, we'll have the final five keys to real investing. And now we're going to sneak a call in. Oh, by the way, the number, if you want to call us with your questions anytime, anytime the spirit moves you, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, leave your question by calling 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Now we'll take a call. Hey, Don, this is Matt from Utah. I have a question about the 4% rule. I know that it was done with the portfolio in mind of a 60% bond uh, stock and 40% bond allocation. Have they done research on what a withdrawal strategy would be with a 100% stock portfolio? I know that most retirees don't do that, and I don't hear much talk of what if one did do that and had the appetite for risk to go through the ups and the downs. What would the withdrawal strategy be if it were 100% stock and what research has been done to that degree? Is it 4%, 5%, 6%? I'm just curious if you know any research or have any insight into that question. Thanks, Dom. Appreciate it. Bye. Matt, thanks for the call. Hey, the 4% rule, it's the term rule is a bit of a misnomer. It's not a rule. It's sort of a guideline. A rule implies it's an absolute, and I don't know that a 4% withdrawal rate will absolutely work. In fact, I know it will not in any possible scenario going forward. That's just impossible to know. It's a best guess. Here's how it works. They run simulations based on past performance and see how often those simulations have the hypothetical portfolio running out of money. And that 4% rule has been tested multiple times, and it provides a pretty decent chance of avoiding running out of money. We run it primarily on balanced portfolios in that 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30 range. And it has held up very well in almost all of our testing. We've done our own internal testing up to 80-20 and found really high success rates with the 4% rule. We actually have run a lot of scenarios where you could go up to five, maybe even a little more if you don't mind the chance of running out of money. But we think it's very slim. We think it's almost impossible. And you do it in a flexible strategy. That is, you take out 5% of the portfolio value each year instead of taking out 4% plus inflation. You have to be more flexible in your lifestyle from year to year to year. But I think your odds of not running out of money are much, much better with a flexible strategy. However, with the 4% rule, we did find a paper that uh, looked at the 4% rule with a 100% equity portfolio. And that paper found that with 100% in equities, your chances of running out of money were incredibly slim at 4%. They actually found that at a 4.2% withdrawal rate indexed to inflation, adding that inflation adjuster, that you would have no more than about a 5% chance of running out of money. But remember, all this stuff is hypothetical. Yes, if you're more aggressive, you should be able to take out more, but not much more. 
because there are times when that aggressiveness is uh, can be a very big drag over an extended period of time. That's where the bonds come in very handy to keep that portfolio volatility down. There can be extended periods of big market declines, and you could be sucking your portfolio dry in very short order. So be careful. This is These are all guidelines. Now, if you were very aggressive and you had a very, very flexible lifestyle, could you take out 5% per year? Not adjusting for inflation, just 5% per year and probably not run out of money? Yeah, but... It's again, it's a probably these are all odds based decisions. You're not going to get any absolutes. And anybody who gives you an absolute answer short of an annuity, which even then is not absolute because it relies on the stability of the underlying insurance company, which in a terrible market could be shaky. So you're not going to get an absolute. I wish you well. And I think these guidelines are very helpful, but we take chances in life and that's always going to be the way it's going to be. 855-935-TALK is our number, 855-935-8255. As we talk about money and investing and trying to make it make sense every week on Talking Real Money, uh, when we're not preempted by football on Como Radio, you can call that show live between the hours of noon and 2 Pacific or 3 and 5 Eastern on the 3rd of November or the 10th of November and then in December on. Or you can call this number, you can call this show, this podcast, anytime. 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend and subscribe to the podcast on whatever service you're using and spread the word and all that good stuff. We really appreciate you being there. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.